You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. All right, I'm starting a message today, and it's a single message. It's not a series. It's just a one-off, and I have titled it The Bridge. The Bridge. I grew up you know, mesmerized by architecture. I always enjoyed architecture. And bridges, when I was a boy, really caught my attention. For some reason, I loved bridges. I loved just their architecture, the design, looking if they had curves and how high they went and how low they went. You know, bridges for cars, for people. I I just loved bridges for some reason. I think that I had this sense that I remember standing on the edge of a bridge one time when I was little and just looking down and it seemed like the water was so far below and I felt like I was flying because there was nothing underneath the bridge and I was wondering how does it stand like this? How does it sustain me? Right? Maybe I didn't think the word sustain, but that's, that was the idea, right? And, and then thinking of a car. A car is pretty heavy. I can't pick up a car, but yet this bridge can hold not one, not two, but several cars. And uh, I, you know, as you grow up, you don't wonder about these marvels of uh, modern science anymore. So we're not, I'm not impressed by bridges anymore. I drive uh, over two bridges every single day. I take my daughter to school. And I don't even think about it, you know. But think about just the functionality of a bridge, right? Think about all the areas and regions and land that would have been left unexplored if we didn't have bridges. Or how hard it would be for us to get to places without bridges. I think of the island of Manhattan. It's a great uh, example. Some of you commute to Manhattan every single day. But think of Manhattan. Think of New York City. The, the core of the city, if we didn't have the RFK Bridge or the Brooklyn Bridge or George Washington Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge and all the other bridges that connect the island, would, it, would the city be all that it is right now? Would, would that city be able to live to this uh, monstrosity <laughs> that it is, New York City? Would, would New York City live to its biggest potential if it wasn't for those bridges and a more pressing question if it wasn't for bridges how would people get out of New Jersey really right isn't that true (laughs) that's really (laughs) but that's the important aspect of a bridge right it doesn't matter how designed it is it doesn't matter how pretty it is it really doesn't matter what kind of architecture or what kind of engineering they use The question that we want to know is, is the bridge functional? Does it work? Is it it going to work for its purpose? And the purpose of a bridge is very simple. It's to get people or supplies to the other side. A bridge is functional when it gets people or supplies to the other side. And for that matter, it doesn't matter if a bridge is made of concrete or wood, if it has steel cables and it's a suspension bridge, if it opens up for ships to go on. It doesn't really matter if it's for one person, if it's one of those bridges that you always see in movies where there's the ropes and the slabs at the bottom, right? And you know one is going to crack. 
There's, there's no reason for them to make a movie with a sturdy bridge like that, right? Have you ever seen a movie with one of those bridges that's sturdy and strong and they just run freely? No, there's always a cracked one and there's always a horrible precipice and you're always biting your nails watching it wondering, are they going to make it? Yes, they're going to make it. If it's 12 minutes into the movie, they're going to make it, okay? <laughs> they're not going to produce a 12-minute long movie and then uh, you're over and you haven't even finished your popcorn. That is the question. The chief question is, can this bridge get me to the other side? Can I get to the other side on this bridge? And I believe that in life, we are always trying to get somewhere, right? We're always moving because that's the nature of life. We, if we stay stagnant, we're dying. I think there's a saying out there. I don't remember who said it. But the saying goes, you're either growing or you're dying. We need to move. There is this need for us to evolve, to move ahead. And in life, we always get to points where we progress and then we come to the edge of some kind of impassable or difficult terrain. A terrain that's either really difficult to cross or impassable where you have to summon some kind of strength to get to the other side. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, we are often faced with circumstances where you need a bridge. You need a bridge to the other side. You need a way to cross through that difficult season or difficult situation. And this bridge principle that I'm talking about today is a fundamental biblical principle. It is a fundamental Jesus principle that we learn from the scriptures and from the life of Jesus. But it is not something new to you. If you're here this morning and you're alive and breathing you probably have used this principle before. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian, you're not a church person, maybe you don't think about God a lot, and somebody told you, hey, let's go to brunch this morning, the weather's nice, but i got to make a pit stop. And they dragged you here. If you're that friend who brought somebody here that way, kudos. You okay? We love you. Do that more often. Rent a van, all right? Get a bus and bring people over that way. <laughs> But if you're here this morning, you're not really a God person or a Christian. You haven't done this in a while and you're here to listen to an encouraging message. And you're thinking, he's talking to the church folk. He's talking to the Christian folk right now because he used this word biblical and Jesus thing there. No, this is for you. This is for you because you make use of this principle too. We all make use of this bridge principle in our lives. And I'll give you some examples because this applies to you. Do you remember if maybe you have had, probably everybody here have had somebody that you hoped to have a relationship with, a friendship with. There was somebody that you were like, I hope I get introduced to that person somehow. I hope that somehow our paths cross. And then it did. And then you got the introduction, maybe for a job or maybe just a friendship. And you got the introduction and the friendship blossomed. And you were like, yeah, I'm here now. Something connected you from the place you were to the place you hoped to be in that situation. Something bridged you from the place you were to the place you hoped to be. If you're married in the room, remember the first time you saw your spouse? You should. Do you remember the first time you laid eyes, you laid eyes on your spouse? Then you went out for a date. You summoned the courage to say, hey, maybe we should, grab, we should, we should go grab a milkshake somewhere. Huh? And you guys had some dates. 
and things got good and the relationship evolved and became romantic and beautiful and you walked down the aisle and you said your vows and you're married and you're here. Something connected you from the place you were to the place you hoped to be. There was something that drove you, that encouraged you to keep going and keep pursuing. If you started a business and now your business is up and running, do you remember when the business was just a thought? Remember when it was just an idea, when it was just in your mind, but now you're in it, you're living and you're breathing it. Maybe it's a career path. You're in it and you're breathing it and you're living in it every single day. Something connected you from the place you were to the place you hoped to be. And that's something. That is faith. And that is the bridge that we're talking about today. The bridge that connects you from the place where you are to the place you hope to be is faith. Now, the word faith is a word that's generally, generally applied either with this religious tone or it's applied with this sense of well wishes. I'll explain. Either you'll hear people say, so what kind of faith are you? Right? Or what kind of, to categorize faith. Oh, I'm from the Christian faith or I'm from this faith or that faith. Oh, this is a, a faith group. Or you introduce, I've used this one before, you introduce, you, you talk to somebody who, you know, you don't really know and you say, oh, we are people of faith. You know, it's not a wrong application, but this is the application that people use the most. The other one is, if you're going through something difficult, if you're going through something where you're not really, you know, encouraged, you don't know if you're going to make it, and you tell a friend, hey, I don't know if this is going to happen, man. I don't know if we're going to make the deadline. I don't know if what we're hoping for is actually going to come to pass. And then you hear that encouragement, hey, just got to have faith. You know, you, you got to have some faith, you know. What that person really means is you got to have some positive thinking. You got to think positive. You got you to, you know, change the way you're thinking right now and, and have some more positive thoughts. But faith is a little bit more than just well wishes. Faith is more than just, you know, a religious sect or group or a kind of, of belief. Faith is this bridge, this strong, sturdy bridge that connects you from where you are to where you hope to be. The writer to Hebrews Put, 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 put it this way. This is a very famous scripture. You probably heard this before. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things who have not been seen. Now we will all go through moments. We'll all go through moments in life where you give your all. Where you give your all, you, you apply yourself to something and you are walking that path and you, you're hoping that you're going to get to the finish line. You have in your, set, in your mind, once I finish this, once I get to this point, that's going to be it. And you get there and it really feels like a new starting point. Right? It feels like all that effort led you to nowhere. That now you need to start all over again. And you look back and you think, was that, was all that worth it? Should I have applied myself to this at all? Am I going just around in circles, God? <laughs> you know, where, what's happening to my life right now? Why am I here? There's some impassable terrain. And maybe you're there right there. You're there right now this morning. It feels like a new starting point. So I want to give you a few principles, a few things that we need this morning to build that bridge. Because if you're at the edge 
of an impassable circumstance right now. You need faith. You need faith to get to the other side. And the first thing you need to recognize is your starting point, is where you are. Ground zero is where you find yourself, your starting point, the place where you are. There's a man in scripture by the name of Abraham. He used to be called Abram, but uh, God changed his name to Abraham, and we know him as Abraham. And he is known as the, the father of faith, the very first person that we have concrete, like, records of having had this kind of God faith. And Abraham, when he first appears in the scene in scriptures, it's in Genesis 15. You don't have to go there right now, but just if you're interested, uh, there's where it's where Abraham's story begins. And God calls him out of his family. God calls him out of where he was living. And God says, hey, leave your family, leave all your relatives, and go somewhere else to a land that I'll show you. And there I will make you a great nation. So here's the promise. Leave, and when you get there, I will make you a great nation. And Abraham did that. Now, it wasn't a simple enterprise. I've taught you on this before here. It was a, it was a large enterprise. He had employees. He had he had cattle. He had tents. This was a logistical nightmare. But he uproots his own, which wasn't heard of in that culture. He uproots everything, all his enterprise, and he moves. He moves his company. He moves. He leaves Connecticut, and he goes somewhere else. Maybe he owns GE or something. I'm sorry. Bad joke. Too soon, J.D. Too soon. We're praying for Amazon to come to Stanford, so it's okay. I digress. <laughs> Abraham goes, and years pass, and he does everything that he is asked to do. And then God appears to him again, and this is what God tells him. Genesis 15, verses 1, it says, In these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. After these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and he said, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now you got to understand that this expression that Abraham uses here, it's too oversimplified in the English translation. Because the, the idea of continue childless implies that he's talking about present and past. But Abraham is actually telling God here, there is a sense of hopelessness in his, in his clamor. There is a sense of hopelessness in his expression. What he's saying actually invokes the past, the present, and the future, the foreseeable future. What he's telling God is, God, I'm sorry, but it's not happening. I don't have kids. I'm sorry. I continue childless. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to die childless. I'm not going to have any kids. I know you promised me this, but we've been trying and it's not happening. We got to the edge of this impassable circumstance. It's just not going to happen. And I'm sorry. We're disappointing you right now. It's not going to come through me. Eliezer will have to be your guy. He's going to have to be your man. My servant will have to bring forth your promise. He will have to carry your promise. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried with everything, but I can't do it. It's not going to happen. 
There is hopelessness in Abraham's expression here. See, here's, here's what we need to consider when we are living a life of faith. You have to consider the brutal facts. You have to consider where you are. Because faith is not living in an imagine, imaginary land. Faith is not creating an imaginary circumstance, an imaginary reality where you live there. That's not faith. That's fiction. Right? Faith is not pretending that everything is all right when things are not all right. Faith is not pretending that everything is okay when you're actually hurting. You know, if you're, if you're pretending to be all right when things are not all right, if you're pretending to be okay when things are not okay, if you're pretending to be happy when you're actually sad, if you're pretending that you have reached your destiny when you have no clue where you are, where you're going to be, that's not faith. I'm sorry. That is denial. And faith is not denying your present circumstance. You have to consider where you are. That's what Abraham did. You know, faith is that point. It's the bridge, and it starts where you are. You can't have faith from where you pretend to be. you got to have faith from where you are, because God can take you from where you are to where you hope to be. And that is the reality that Abraham faced and many of us go through situations like that so where is your starting point today where do you find yourself in your soul in your life are you afflicted are you in a situation where you are you feel depleted are you overworked are you overwhelmed do you find yourself hopeless like Abraham even though you're believing in the promises of God even though you received the word you're trying to do this the, the right thing but you came to an edge you came somewhere where you just feel like you can't push against any longer are you at a point in your life where you have found you found difficulty just finding a direction where do you find yourself? Or maybe, you know, you're not depleted or exhausted or stressed. Maybe, you know, it's not just that you're out of answers. You're past that. You're not even trying to find answers anymore. You, you're going, you know what? I've gotten to a point where I'm just coping. And the, the candle, the flame that you had on the inside, the flame to get somewhere now is dimming. And it's a flickering light on the inside. You're not really sure if you're ever going to cross that impassable circumstance. This is the place where God can meet you. Because you can come to God exactly as you are. You can come to Him, you can come to him without pretending. No pretending. You can come to Him and you can present yourself as you are. That's where faith begins. And you might be here this morning saying, J.D., I don't, I, don't, I don't have strength to have faith that way. I don't have strength to have faith that way. No, 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 no. You got it wrong. Because the scriptures say that when you are weak, it is then that you are strong. Because his grace abounds in weakness. So depend, regardless of where you are today, God will meet you exactly where you are. And where you are is the perfect place. For you to begin. Are you with me? The next step in building this bridge is that you need to know where you're going. You need a destination. 
You need to know where you were meant to go. And we all have a place that we hope to arrive. You all have a destination. On the other side of that cliff, there's a grassy knoll. On the other side of that raging sea, there is calm. And we all look at that and we go, I really don't know how to get there. But there is a destination. And this is when there's opportunity for anxiety. This is when there's opportunity for worry. This is when there's the, the decisions that you make can weigh on your soul and your spirit and your mind. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for pressure, especially if you're a young adult. Especially if you're in those early years and you're a young adult. I was uh, with some young adults last Wednesday. We started our Youth Connect group this fall. In fact, if you have, uh, if you know of anybody from the ages of, I think we're doing 16 through 22-ish. If you know of anybody, get connected with Catherine. Catherine is leading that, that group and it's, it was fantastic. We had about 12 people there. And I, yeah, it was great. And I was there. It was all Catherine's working the phones, man. And uh, I was there with them, and I was sitting uh, with, with a couple guys, and they were talking about the challenge that they, they're facing right now. Because these two guys are juniors in high school, and they're like, I'm supposed to decide where I'm going to do with my life. And it's mind-boggling. Like, I need to decide what kind of degree I'm going to have. And the sense that I got from them is this is the hugest, biggest decision I'm ever going to have to make in my life. But once I'm done with this decision, I am good. <laughs> and I didn't want to burst their bubble. Because <laughs> they were so concerned with that one decision. I was like, yeah, try naming a kid. All right? Try coming up with the name for a kid. And then you have twins. <laughs> First name and last name and middle name. Yeah. Try doing that. Defining a kid's name for the rest of their lives. <laughs> but we know that that's just the beginning. I say that it's, it's especially for young adults because that's where it begins. That's where you first experience this tension of worrying and trying to find a destination and trying to figure out where you're supposed to go. But we all go through that, those decisions in life. We all get to a point where we need to decide, what am I going to do about this? How do I proceed? What do I engage in? What do I disengage in? And it's not only like, how do I move on? But to which direction do I move on? To which direction do I face my life and point my life? We all have these decisions. And it starts at that age. It starts with college. It starts with that decision. But after college, you've got to decide what kind of job are you going to get? Or what kind of career are you going to follow? You're going to decide who are you going to go on a date with and who are you not going to go on a date with and who are you going to marry. And, you know, once you're married, the really big, horrible decision is, honey, what are we having for dinner? That is the worst out of all of them. Give me a list of majors to decide. Don't give me a menu. Unless it's a Chinese menu. Then I'll go with General Toast Chicken. Every time, baby. White meat only. Why meat only? That, then you know it's chicken. <laughs> All right. I should just go home right now. <laughs> it never stops. It never stops. And this is because our nature, our human nature, you know, the way God designed you, God designed you for a yearning, a yearning for meaning, a yearning to 
to make sure that your life is engaged in such a way that you have meaning. This is not wrong. Well, you, your desire for meaning is not wrong. God put that there. He designed you for it so that you can go somewhere. This desire that you have to make your life mean something, to get your life somewhere. All of creation is moving somewhere. All of the universe is now, we're rushing through space and we're going somewhere. And that's part of our makeup. We are going somewhere. We are moving somewhere. And when you don't have direction, when you don't have a destination, it can be very, very puzzling. It can be heavy on your heart because we were designed to have a direction. Now, the good thing is we can find that in God. Our Heavenly Father He's all about giving us direction. Jesus started his ministry by saying, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said, follow me. He didn't give him a list and say, do this. He said, follow me. I'll show you the way. So I want to talk about this right now in the last bit of my message. I want to give you three very fast, three simple things on how to get direction. This is like your spiritual GPS. Okay, very simple, simple principles. And for some of you, this is going to be a reminder. Because you have disengaged with some of these things and you need to re-engage. You need to discipline yourself to practice this because this is probably what you're missing. The first thing I want to tell you this morning to find direction when you, you need to be led by God, right? Led by the Holy Spirit is a very simple practice. It's to pray. You have to pray. You have to engage in prayer. And prayer is more than simply asking God for things. Prayer is more than petition. The specific element of prayer that links to faith here that I want to encourage you with is confession. You have to confess the promises of God. Confession is more than confessing sins. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where confession means you go to a confessionary and you tell somebody the mistakes you've made and then you pray a certain prayer after that. But there's a scripture that explains to us what confession really is as it relates to faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 22 and 23 it says, Let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. See? Clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. There's a difference between pretending that you're well and confessing that you're well. There's a difference between pretending that everything is all right and confessing healing and confessing restoration and confessing in God that things are indeed as he has called it to be. There's a difference between going to God and saying, God, this is where I find myself, but I confess your healing. I confess your restoration. I, I claim your life into my spirit right now. Renew me. Renew me right now. Strengthen me. Bring me the joy of my salvation once again. There's a difference between pretending and confessing. Pretending is simply, like I said, denying reality. But confessing means you believe in God's promises and you declare it. Confessing. That's what you got to do, prayer. The second thing is to plan. You can't just cross your arms and hope for the best. You got to make your plans. But this is where the scripture tells us something powerful. In Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 9, 
It's also a well-known scripture. It says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And this should be one of the most comforting and reassuring scriptures and promises for you and I today. Because what this scripture tells us is that God will establish our steps. There's, there's a peace about it, you know. When you know that you plan your ways and you present yourself before God, but he is the one who establishes you. He's the one who will establish your steps. We have somebody that is a good friend of ours. It's, they serve here at the church. And this person was really hoping for something to happen last week. And it didn't happen. And their reaction was, you know what? I know God is establishing my steps. I know that he has a perfect direction for me. It doesn't feel good that I was denied this thing that I was hoping for. But you know what? God is for me. He's with me. There is something about... Uh, presenting your plan, planning, but presenting your plan before the Lord and knowing that he establishes your steps. Because you will learn this, and this is an important, important thing for us to know about faith. Faith will not take you to any direction. All right? Faith will take you to the right direction for you. Faith will not give you any direction for your life. You can't just in faith claim anything. But if you pray, if you present yourself before God, God will show you what to pray for. And you can have faith for the right things for your life. God will not just give you anything, right? He will, get, he will not guarantee any outcome. And faith doesn't guarantee any outcome. And we are thankful. If you have lived a little bit, you got to be thankful for some outcomes that God didn't guarantee. In fact, that he pushed it aside, right? You can look back in your life and you can think, man, I used to hope for that. Especially during high school reunions, you know, someone that you meet after 10 years or so, and you're like, what? Is that the person? <laughs> what? God, thank you for delivering me from that curse. <laughs> there are certain things that we hoped for in the past that we are glad that God didn't take, didn't take us there, right? There are certain things that we hoped for in the past, and now we are grateful. So we have to rest assured that God is the one who establishes our steps. So faith is not going to take you or guarantee any outcome. It will guarantee the right outcome for you. And the, the, the last thing I want to tell you this morning, the three Ps, all right? You pray, you plan, and the last one is you persist. Because once you know that you have your life before God, once you're presenting your life before Him, and you are you make a plan, and God directs your steps, you persist. Don't give up. You persist. And there's a story about a girl, a lady from our church here, uh, who has done just that. She, was, uh, she went to school for accounting and became a successful accountant. Accounting, accountant, accountant? Sorry. A successful accountant. She has a great job making some good money. She is very uh, uh, disciplined with her finances, and, you know, she's involved in the church and gives and is uh, very generous. But she started realizing that the life that she was living and observing people around her with the same career path and people who were in that career path a little bit longer than her, that they were living a kind of life that really didn't intrigue her. It didn't attract her. And she was like, I don't want to be there in two years. You know, you start seeing how people progress in their career. And once you're in it, it's different than what you read in the books. Once you're living it out and she realized, you know what? This is not what I was made for. 
this is not the past that God has for me. Like, I'm not fulfilled. And not only that, I don't want to work for that. Like, I don't want to use my gifts and talents for that end. So she, as she uh, started serving here at the, at the church, she started serving in the kids department, Connect Kids. God bless Connect Kids. Can we clap for the people that, yeah. We have a, a strong team of uh, 15 or so uh, ladies and, and a couple guys who help out and connect kids. And she started helping at Connect Kids and giving her all. And she reconnected with the passion to teach kids right here at Connect Community. And by serving, she got this conviction. This is what I want to do. This is what I really want to do with my life. She always loved teaching kids, but reconnecting that talent right here at Connect Community ignited this, uh, this thought in her. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a teacher. So she just started going to school, and she's about to, uh, uh, I think she needs to go for two years, school, to become a teacher. And she's going to change her career path. And I'm keeping her name anonymous because she still needs her job. All right? And if somebody in her company sees this message, she might not have a job anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't want that. We want her to be successful. God bless her. But you see what I'm saying? God gave her a direction, and now she's persisting in it. It's going to take two years of studying and working at the same time. It's going to take hard work. And for most of you, you have to realize this. Faith is work. Faith is hard work. Faith is not sitting around claiming blessings and having God work for you. Right? God is working. He is working for you. He is working with you. You got to put your gifts in motion. You got to move. You got to make plans. And once you got, God gives you a direction, you need to persist. That's why we're here this morning. That's why this church is established here this morning because we understood this principle as well that once you find a place where you can't cross some impassable terrain, you got to keep persisting because faith is that bridge that will take you to the other side. So let me encourage you this morning. If God has given you a direction, I have a scripture for you. It's found in Psalms chapter 37, verse 3 through 5. And it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. This is a powerful, powerful promise for you and I. Now once you have built the bridge of faith. Once you have constructed this pathway and you have reached the other side, here's my final thought as we get ready to close. You need to understand this. What God is doing in your life is not for yourself alone. The bridge that you are building is not just so you can pass. God is going to use it for other people as well. Your faith will bless somebody else. It is meant to. Your life is meant to bless someone else. You are meant to use your gifts and talents to bless other people. And this journey that you're going through, at the edge of an impassable circumstance or terrain, whatever it is that you're hoping and asking God for, whether it's a restoration in a relationship, whether, like our friend, it's a new career path, whether, you know, you are here this morning and you are hoping to find direction, this struggle that you have with God from your starting point to the place that you hope to be, this journey is not for you alone. 
It's going to bless every single person around you, including your kids, your descendants, people that you know. And we are a great example about that. This church right here is a powerful example of it because this movement, we are part of a network of churches called ARC. And this movement of, of church planting really started with a man by the name of Chris Hodges. Pastor Chris Hodges down in Alabama had a desire to plant a church, start a church. And he started a church in Birmingham. And it was a, it was a challenging thing to back in those days in the 80s to start a church, to begin a church. I think early 90s is when he started. But he did. He started the church and God gave him like a pass, a, a way to do it. And here's the thing. He realized there's other people out there with the same calling. There are other people out there with the same idea, with the same calling out of God. And I'm going to relay what he has given me, the things that he has shown me, and what we have experienced to them. And to date, out of that one man, out of that one person who decided to share his journey of faith with others, over 600 churches have started under the same model. We are church number 471 in that group of ARC churches. And this year, they're, they're hoping to hit the 700 mark. But just last Sunday, they had over... 36 churches, I believe, starting in one Sunday out of the same model. I think that deserves some clapping, right? Yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because people are finding hope. People are connecting to God. People are discovering their talents. But I got to tell you, it's not going to be for you alone. God is going to use your journey to bless others. You got to keep that in mind. And I hope that keeps you going. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Would you mind standing with us?